This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And we are going to talk again about this debt limit crisis, if you will, that is encroaching on us this year. It is the overriding fiscal issue of the year. There's been so much talk about it and how exactly they go about trying to cut a deal on raising the debt limit is going to become increasingly important in in the coming weeks. Joining me to talk about this today is Paul Krawczak, our senior budget writer. Thanks again for being here, Paul. Thank you, David. Great to be here. And Paul, you had a great story this week uh, that folks should check out on CQ.com or RollCall.com if you haven't seen it. You suggested a possible new path here because they've been locked in this debate over Republicans insisting that they won't raise the debt limit unless it's paired with some spending cuts. Democrats say no, no negotiations on raising the debt limit. You can't play around with default. It's too dangerous. We're not going to go down that road. But Republicans have been in a jam themselves because they can't really agree so far on what kinds of spending cuts they really want to see. It does seem as though there's no unity within their caucus as to how to go about making those cuts. There's concern uh, about cutting defense, and that gets in the way of this promise that Speaker McCarthy made um, to cut overall spending down to fiscal 22 levels, like an an 8% cut. But if you exempt defense from that, you're talking about a huge whack in non-defense spending. Uh, So there's a real problem here. And do you cut entitlements? Do you go after Social Security and Medicare? Um, because there's been talk from some about trying to overhaul those programs because they they are going to become insolvent and something needs to be done. But they also insist they won't cut Social Security and Medicare benefits, at least for current uh, beneficiaries. And so what do you cut has been a real dilemma. And Republicans may need more time to figure out what to propose on that front And Paul, you've suggested one possible strategy here to buy them some time. Uh, What did you find out? Um, House Republican leaders are looking at an option where uh, they would take up one or more uh, short-term debt limit suspensions. Um, Now, the reason for this is the, the Treasury is estimating that the debt limit would have to be raised possibly as early as June, could be July, could go into August, according to independent experts. Uh, But that's coming up pretty quickly. Um, And, you know, as you said, Republicans um, in the House particularly uh, would like to um, 
have spending cuts or some kind of fiscal reforms attached to any debt limit increase. They want to use the leverage of, of raising the debt limit to do that. So, um, but in terms of the timeline, if the debt limit has to be raised in the early summer, I mean, that, that is before the deadline for passing the fiscal 2024 appropriations bills, which is September 30. So you would be dealing with the debt limit um, ahead of the appropriations bills. So the idea is they could, at some point when, the, when, when they are getting closer to the need to raise the debt limit, the House could take up a short-term debt limit suspension um, and possibly even another short-term debt limit suspension after that. And that would give Republicans more time to negotiate conditions to a longer-term increase in the debt limit. And it would also align um, the, the timing for a long-term increase in the debt limit with the timing for passing the appropriations bills. So it, it would give Republicans more time and it would give them more leverage in negotiating a debt limit increase and spending cuts or something like that. Yeah, it gets confusing, but we should remind people when we talk about suspending the debt limit, normally they would have to raise the debt limit to a certain dollar level. When they suspend the debt limit, they just make it go away entirely for a short period of time and just operate without any without any limit on debt, right? Uh, that's that's right. I mean, the historic practice had been to um, raise the debt limit by you know a certain amount of dollars, um, and then a number of years ago they started suspending the debt limit until a certain date. So the debt limit would be suspended, would not be in effect until a certain date, and then when they got to that date, then whatever the level of total debt was, that would become the uh, the debt limit would kick in at that point. That would become the, the the new amount of debt. Right, but but this suspension idea it 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 can make it easier for lawmakers to vote for in a way because instead of a vote where you raise the debt by a certain dollar amount, uh, you know that's sort of a vote in favor of more debt up to a specific amount. Whereas if you just vote to suspend it entirely. Maybe that's a little more politically palatable to people because you're just ignoring the debt limit for a short period of time, right? So it's it's sort of less of a painful vote, I guess. Yeah, it's a little easier because when you raise the debt limit by a certain amount, which may be trillions of dollars, that figure is out there. You're increasing the debt limit by trillions of dollars. But if you suspend it until a certain date, there is no figure connected with that. You're not raising it by a certain amount. You're just suspending it until a certain date. So you can avoid, you know, having that, that big figure out there. Um, the, the other um, advantage of suspending the debt limit is um, you get a more exact idea of when it will have to be raised again. Because when you suspend it, when you increase it by a certain amount, you, you don't know precisely when you're going to get to the point where you have that amount of debt and you have to raise the debt limit again. But if you suspend it to a certain date, you know that, you know, once you get to that date, you have a new debt limit, um, and then Treasury would use what are called extraordinary measures, bookkeeping maneuvers, to 
continue to borrow uh, temporarily uh, for a for a period of time. Right. So the question is, if they do suspend it, I mean, do they have the votes to even suspend it? Though, I mean, I mean, if if Republicans are going to insist on on being these you know brave fiscal conservatives who insist on spending cuts. You know, even if you just suspend the debt limit without, instead of increasing it, the effect we should say is the same. I mean, it's allowing for more debt. <laughs> Either way you slice it, it's really a question of optics here, more than more than anything. Uh, can do they have the votes to suspend it without any without any spending cuts happening? That's that becomes the key question. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a real challenge. I mean, there are some Republicans in the House who you know, don't want to raise the debt limit under any circumstances. And uh, it's a very, you know, as we know, it's a very narrow Republican majority. I mean, the Repub- Republicans can only lose four votes in the House and um, and still pass bills. But I suppose on a short-term suspension of the debt limit, Paul, it's conceivable Democrats might go along with some Republicans and have bipartisan support to pass something like that. That's right. That's right. And Democrats, you know, no doubt would like a much longer suspension of the debt limit or increase in the debt limit. But this will be this will be part of the negotiation process. So possible that they they take up a short term suspension of the debt limit and possible, I guess, that it could actually pass. Right. Um, And and the you know, this is. Republican leaders and Republicans are discussing this option, and these discussions will continue. And you know, this option may be may be modified. It's even possible they decide on something else. But this does it. It buys time, um, and it also would increase their leverage by getting the spending bill deadlines closer to the the debt limit increase deadlines. Yeah, it would buy them time if they can pass this. And if you do suspend it until the end of the fiscal year, September 30, then you're right. It would line up. You could almost do some kind of spending package with a debt limit provision in there. So it's conceivable that that, that, that does play into Republicans' hands, I guess, if they're really going to push for spending cuts as part of a deal to raise the debt limit. But of course, they face the same problem then in September that they would face in June or July, right? Um, they still have to come up with a way to find bipartisan support for raising the debt limit and, and figure out how hard they want to push for spending cuts. You know, it certainly has happened in the past, Paul, plenty of times where they've had these deals for a debt limit increase that has that have been accompanied by the, some kind of spending reductions, most famously in, in 2011, right under the Obama administration, when, when, we, when they raised the debt limit, but on condition of putting in place a decade's worth of caps on discretionary spending levels that they, that they had to live with in one form or another for 10 years before it just recently expired. It seems as though McCarthy is talking about something like that again. 
Uh, that's what it looks like. It, it, it looks like the focus will probably be on um, restraining discretionary spending uh, rather than doing anything on Social Security or, or Medicare or those big entitlement programs. And we should say, you know, I have to I can't resist pointing out, Paul, when the focus is on discretionary spending, you know, the Congressional Budget Office will tell you discretionary spending just isn't the problem. If you're worried about rising deficits and debt, the key drivers of, of rising debt isn't isn't just isn't discretionary spending. It's the entitlement programs. It is the rising costs of Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, primarily because of an aging society and rising healthcare costs. And those twin factors are crippling those programs and sending costs through the roof. And those combined with rising interest payments as interest rates go up on the debt are really the driving forces behind rising deficits. It just isn't true that discretionary spending is the main cause of that. Now, obviously, discretionary spending plays a role. And if you if you cut discretionary spending, it can, it can help reduce deficits. That's true. But this focus on discretionary spending, which basically covers, funds everything else the government does, right? From defense to education, environment, you name it. You can cut that, but but you know that discretionary spending has not really been soaring, except for the pandemic years when, when it did go through the roof because of the, all the pandemic aid packages. You can cut that, and it'll help reduce deficits, but it's not the key factor. On the other hand, what is the key factor? Entitlement programs is so politically dangerous for politicians to touch that they've not had the courage to even address it. And it's easier, in fact, to go after discretionary spending and and show some credibility in terms of being a fiscal conservative, I guess, if you show discretionary spending coming down. So there is political motivation to put the focus on discretionary spending. That is all true, but I, w- I would make two points. So one is, there are some Republicans who would point out that because of the big increases in discretionary spending over the past couple of years, when the Congressional Budget Office projects spending going forward, that discretionary spending is is quite a bit higher going forward because of the discretionary spending increases over the past couple of years. Um, in general, what the what the CBO does is when it estimates discretionary spending, it it looks at current discretionary spending, and then it adds inflation to that. So if you look ahead, you have a, a higher projection of, of discretionary spending going forward in the, in the, in the next 10 years. So, so that, that would be a target for Republicans. So that's one point. Um, the second point is that there are some Republicans who, and I guess I'll make three points, but the second point is there are some Republicans who make the case that Americans will not accept cuts or even restructuring of Social Security and Medicare programs unless lawmakers prove that they are serious about cutting waste and unnecessary spending in the discretionary arena. So, in other words, show that you're serious about cutting unnecessary spending in the discretionary area first, 
And that will show them, if you can accomplish that, that will show Americans that you're serious about that rather than going to Social Security and Medicare first. I mean, there are a lot of Americans who say, hey, you know, I paid into Social Security. Certainly, you know, you're not going to start your cutting in that program where I've paid into it. Get rid of the waste first. The third point I would make is that, you know, there are there are a lot of Republicans who, you know, just as you said, they know that, you know, these big entitlement programs are growing faster than economic growth, and they are the drivers of the deficit and the debt. And they, w- and, and they would like to focus on those programs. And it's possible that a debt limit deal could be reached that, you know, takes, you know, some initial steps toward dealing with those programs, maybe through, you know, there are proposals to set up a commission, you know, that would uh, try to come up with solutions for, you know, the cost of these entitlement programs. So, yeah, so that's a good point. And, and, and Joe Manchin, the West Virginia Democrat, who's, who's a, a pivotal centrist in this in this closely divided Senate, has been pushing this idea of, yes, we should have a, a, a bipartisan negotiation over raising the debt limit. And his main pitch is to couple it with this plan to create these rescue committees to come up with recommendations on how to save Social Security and Medicare and other trust funds like the Highway Trust Fund. But the key Republican backer of that idea, Mitt Romney, the Utah senators, told us pretty plainly uh, very recently that that might be fine to do, but that ain't going to be enough. That ain't going to cut it. In other words, Republicans aren't going to just take the formation of, of committees as their concession for raising the debt limit. That, that would only be a tiny piece of any, of any package. So it would have to be more substantial than that. And it does seem pretty clear that that any kind of, you know, broad restructuring of Social Security or Medicare is not going to come together in time for a debt limit deal. That's right. And and it would it would need to be bipartisan and um, it would probably need to be led by the White House as well to have any chance of success. Yeah, which isn't going to happen. Which is why I think McCarthy is focusing on discretionary spending. It's it's part, it's part because it's easier to do, and it's part the political reality of of not being able to have any consensus on how to overhaul the entitlement program. So what are you left with? You're you're left with discretionary spending as really the only tool in the toolbox if you want to show the public that you're serious about about cutting spending in general. Um, and the problem Republicans are going to face, Paul, is they don't really want to cut a lot of discretionary spending when it comes to specifics. They, they're very uncomfortable with cutting defense, you know, which is, which is what, maybe um, a third of discretionary spending total. And if you exempt that, the only way you can come up with serious money is taking huge wax out of, out of non-defense spending something like an 18 to 20% cut, which would be, I think, once you hear the specifics on what you'd have to do for that, would become so politically unpalatable, it would never get through a Democratic Senate anyway. Um, and so I think they know they're sort of in a jam on that, and they haven't, they haven't really yet figured out how to come up with something that would pass muster here, I think is their main problem right now. 
Right. I mean, it's hard to cut spending, <clears throat> especially specific spending programs. And, you know, that's why, um, <clears throat> you know, setting up discretionary spending caps is probably the easiest way to do it. But, you know, even when they did that, you know, in 2011 for 10 years, I mean, that that did slow the growth of spending. But, you know, every couple of years they had to go back and raise those caps a little bit because right. they couldn't live with the original caps. And and in, in a, you know, in, in some of those deals, they did they did offset the cost of raising those caps. And you did make another good point, Paul, about the Republican emphasis on cutting waste and of course, they're right. There is always waste in government, uh, and and we should always try to cut waste. Uh, and they did. I think Steve Scalise, the House Majority Leader, talked about all the fraud in the COVID relief programs that have been identified. And of course, we should try to eliminate the fraud. But I think the basic problem they have there is, you know, it's fine to talk about waste, and you can point to bogus, you know federal research studies that get done on on what kind of trees are best to plant where or you know whatever you want to criticize the problem is they tend not to add up to big money e- even if it's meritorious to cut them they don't add up to big money and and when you're talking about trillion dollar annual deficits you need to come up with big money and that's much harder to do uh, when you're just trying to go after waste, fraud, and abuse because it's very hard to target that. It always gets said, but in the translation into dollars, it, it usually falls well short of any expectations. And that's that's part of the dilemma that, that I think Republicans have. It's just going to be fascinating in these coming months, Paul, I think, to see how Republicans grapple with this now that they've set the stakes so high in terms of their expectations Here's this new Republican majority in the House coming to power, eager to show that they want to reverse, you know, the what they view as the excessive spending of the Biden years. How do they make that happen? How do they come up with enough spending cuts if they're really serious about cutting spending by as much as they say down to fiscal 2022 levels, at least? How do they really make that happen? And then, a key, so a key component I think that you've uncovered this week is this idea of the first thing that has to happen because it's so complicated is they need more time, right? They need more time to figure this out. And that's what this idea of a short-term suspension of the debt limit buys them if they can make, if they can actually get that passed, is it takes the pressure off of something happening by early this summer. And they can just suspend it for a while, live without a debt limit, as as the, as Congress has done in the past, so that maybe they push it off until the fall, and then maybe if it's aligned with the need to pass spending bills by that time, maybe they can come up with something. But but boy, this is a this is a a real heavy lift. It certainly is. It certainly is. So I think that's where things stand at the moment with the debt limit crisis, because we're going to have to track this very closely um, in, in coming weeks and months. It isn't going away. And as I say, it is the overriding fiscal concern of this year by far. So we will see, and we will see if there's any momentum here toward passing any kind of short-term suspension and if they have the votes. But that's all the time we have for now. Thank you, Paul Krozak, again for joining me. And thank you, David. 
You can check out Paul's story and a lot of other stories on the debt limit and federal spending at CQ.com or RollCall.com. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and we will see you next time. Thank you.